Sunday, and we want to finish it today. It's in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. We're still on the same verses, 21 through 28. Last week, we, talk, we talked about the oppressed of the devil. Many of the saints of God are harassed by Satan. If you are a child of God, you have done battle with Satan. The next one we talked about was obsession. Many of the saints, I believe, today have, are under obsessions by the enemy. And then the very last one was a child of God cannot be possessed, but there are many people that without Christ in their life could be the potential of being possessed or possessed. We need to be aware of the demonic and the reality of it. But I want us today to turn to the better side of this sermon. I didn't want to try to put it all into one. So we're going to do like a part two. So if you would, we're going to start back reading again. This is verse 21 of Mark chapter 1. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they were questioning among themselves, saying, What is this thing? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Let's pray. Dear God, as we're here this morning, Lord, Lord, speak through me. Use me as the vessel that you need, Lord, that we can... Get a grips with your authority in this situation of demons. Lord, let us be that light in this community and in this world that is desperately needed, that you can be glorified in it, Lord. We'll be careful to give you all the honor and the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first heading of last week was more of a reality of Satan. Today I want to give you some examples of the authority of Jesus. This is all the good part. So today we're going to speak about the authority of Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 in the Great Commission, right before he gave the Great Commission, he said something real profound. He said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth, right? So Jesus has authority over all the power of the enemy. It's not like it seems today. It's not like there's Satan on one side and God on one side and they're maybe having like a battle royal and we're just 
waiting to see who wins. That's not the case. Okay, that is not the case. Satan has been defeated. That's what Calvary showed us. And once and for all, he was defeated. Death had been defeated at Calvary. That's what the play is going to depict at the very end, the victory of Jesus. So Jesus has the authority and always has over all the enemy. It's the reason why Jesus said in Luke 10, verse 19, he says, Behold, I give you the authority over the power of the enemy. So Christ has the authority, and he's given it to us as believers, okay, as believers. So I want us to look at four things that are true about demons in relationship to Jesus. The first one I want us to recognize is, is the authority that Jesus has over all the demonic. Not just the demons, but Satan himself. The Bible says in, in the verses we will read, We know who thou art, the Holy One of God. You think about this, sometimes there's, there's people now that are so-called theologians or priests and people that, that do Bible teaching, doctor, not doctors, but preachers and pastors and teachers and leaders, that this one demon in this example in Mark is more orthodox or more correct than they are. Because they said what? Who are you? How, what have you come? The Holy, we know who you are, they said. The Holy One of God. And this is in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. If you have read anything about the short chapter 1 of Mark, as I've said before, it's almost like a Twitter account. It's really quick and fast. We're on page, or we're on verse 21, starting this section we're in. Mark has already said that we have... The baptism by John the Baptist of Jesus, and one verse, again, <laughs> straightway about the encounter with Jesus and Satan, the temptation in the wilderness. Well, he took him up right after the baptism. There's one verse in Mark, so I always want to be encouraging, if you want to know kind of the Paul Harvey version of that, the rest of it, turn to Luke chapter 4 and read in there. You, you'll, you'll get the longer version of that. So some... People that claim to know what they should know don't, don't even have the correct view that this demon, that, that demon that was possessing that man announced to that church that day. And if you read again in verse 11, right after John the Baptist baptized Jesus, heaven opened up. It's verse 11 in Mark chapter 1. It says, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So heaven has already announced in Mark chapter 1, verse 11, heaven announced, Thou art my Son, whom I am well pleased. Now hell has confessed within verse 24, I know who thee art. I know, I know thee who thou art the Holy One of God, in verse 24. So even the demons recognize the deity and the authority of Jesus Christ. It's amazing just to look at that and to think about the amount of confusion, if you will, of the deity of Christ, the Godhead, the three in one. 
It's amazing the amount of, of confusion that has arisen through people who are supposed to know better. But I tell you on God's authority that even the demons are more theological. They're more, they're more orthodox. They're more correct in knowing who Jesus is than a lot of people that fill the pulpits in today's society. So second, demons have a hatred for Jesus. They have a hatred for Jesus. He said in, 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 in this verse, let us alone. He said, leave us alone. What's going on? Every demon-possessed person at whatever level they're at with the demons don't want to hear the things of God. Have you ever had a discussion with someone and tried to share Christ with them and they, and they just got all flustered and mad and said, I don't want to hear that stuff? You ever heard that? Well, it's, look at the example here that we have. They were sitting in a worship service. Jesus had come into the synagogue. That's what the, the Bible verses tell us between 21 and 28. They came into this worship service. They were just sitting around, and Jesus declared to the people, and they said he taught as one with authority. Well, that person that was in that synagogue with them, the Bible doesn't say if they were a regular, if they had been on the A-list of someone that attended every Sunday. It didn't say why that person was there, but it sort of gives you the implication that he might have been there last, last time too. Okay? He might have been there. And, and that's what I'm getting at here. You may be in a worship. There may be someone that is literally possessed or obsessed with a demon might sit through a worship service. But when Jesus Christ in all his purity is lifted up high, when you talk about Jesus in his, and throw light upon that darkness, they're going to tell you, leave us alone, and they'll leave. They'll leave. So you've heard people say all that. It used to be the, I don't know if it's just youth and young children that, that come up with slang like this or adults first, but you, you, I've just heard it through the years, people saying that their child said this. They'd say something like, or, or a spouse, they'll say, you know, don't preach to me. Don't preach to me. Where's that coming from? Where's that coming from? It's coming from a rebellious heart. It's coming from a foothold of something of a demonic in your life. Of course, they don't want to hear it. Think about it. They really don't want to hear it because that demon spirit has either oppressed them, obsessed them, or possessed them, and they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. The unsaved man may not even realize what's going on. They may not even understand if you could get down back to that person and say, why don't you understand this? Why don't you even see this? It, it always blows people's minds when they, when they first get saved or, or, or when they come aware of their duty in um, discipleship and other people and they start trying to spread the word and people just, they just hit like brick walls with people. It, it's like, Poof, it just quits and just runs off. There's, there's no absorption whatsoever. And if you get to the person, if you could get past what's, what's going on and say, 
what is it about this? They might, they might willingly say, I don't know why I don't like it. I just don't like it. If they're honest, the humanity of that person might come up and say, I don't realize why I don't like it. I just know I can't stand it. It's not necessarily them, okay, speaking. They may not realize it, but they have a hatred toward the things of God. And I said, why is that? They may be, because of that plight that they have, that stance they have taken with you, that brick wall they have put up, they may be a victim of a foul demon in their life that is controlling them to that degree that they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. Now, we tend to, psychologists and all, tend to just think, well, they're just being hard-headed. Well, I just said the same thing, didn't I? They don't want to hear it. What's being hard-headed? That, that demonic in, in, obsession or oppression or possession that is there in the person doesn't want to see the unfettered glory of God. They don't want light to be shown on their little, their little pothole, their little cesspool of life. They don't want light to be shined into that life. It's not necessarily the person, but it's the spirit. That's why we don't win a lot of battles nowadays. We're fighting on the wrong front. We try to say it's that person. I'm, I'm going to use this as a person. This is a skinny person. I'm going to try to use this as a person. I'm, I'm talking to this person. It's just hitting him and running off. Just hitting him and running off. And I go, you know, I want to shake him and turn him upside down, punch him, a few, soften him up so I can talk to him. I am fighting on the wrong front because that physical person that has had some type of oppression or obsession or possession of a demon to the point he don't want to hear the, the unfettered glory of God, the, the truth of the, the love of God, all that, don't want to hear any of that, then I'm at the wrong front trying to force it down his throat. What should I be doing? I should be on my knees praying for that person. Day in and day out. Every night. Every time I get a chance. And say, God, give me the opportunity to say the things to that person. They can come to a saving knowledge of grace before it's everlastingly too late. But we don't do that. We try to match wit with them. We want to get into a, a theological discussion with them. And they'll start saying, saying things. And I'm going, I don't know if I know the answer to that or not. Right? You start getting into that argument and you're going... Well, I don't know that I can match wits with this guy or girl. So they may not even realize why they're opposing you. They're that victim of a foul demon, and that's that hatred for the things of God. Thirdly, they, there is, and you've got to make sure you grab this, there is a cringing fear of Jesus to the demonic. Verse 24 says, Art thou come to destroy us? Bladen County English. Is my time up? Am I going to be killed now? That's what that says. Art thou come to destroy us? What does that tell you about the knowledge of the whole demonic realm? They know they're on a very short leash. They know that they're only being let roam for a time that their end is near. And, and this demonic being that had this man in the synagogue said, 
Art thou come to destroy us? These, these demons literally cringed before Jesus. Cringed. So what I'm trying to tell you is this. If you read in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, there has been a song put out. It's really an old quartet song. It says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you're a child of God, if you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, Satan has within you the power of Jesus within you. Satan will sense it. I'm not saying you can flippantly go about casting out demons all the time. I'm not saying that. But you have the defense to keep him out. So these demons, these demons literally cringed at Jesus. But never forget, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's 1 John 4, 4, if you know where I got that from. So Jesus has authority over all the powers of darkness. No child of God should ever fear Satan. Never. Okay? You should be aware of him. You should be vigilant. You should be sober. But do not be afraid. They're more afraid of you when they recognize the power you have of Jesus within your life than you are of them. So greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If that song means nothing to you, just Google that and right beside it go Dash Cathedrals, Cathedral Quartet. They sung that. And I'm about to break out in it. I'm sorry, I'm trying not to. <laughs> the, fourth, the fourth one is demons always yield the authority of Jesus. Again, it's not a battle. Are they going to win? It's, it, I get so, there's so much stuff in Hollywood that gives us ideas about how things should be when they're not right. How many of y'all have seen some type of exorcist movie? If you're old enough, there was one a long time ago that was pretty bad. Is that what Jesus did? No. He spoke. He said, get out. The demon got out. J just as a side note, how many of y'all seen all the different battles about Armageddon? How, how they've different portrayed that in the movies as, a, as just a long campaign of, of men fighting? And No. It's a spoken word. There is no match between Satan and Jesus. It's not no dualism. I don't care. If you look around, I understand. It looks like we're on really the losing team. But I'm telling you, we're not. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, Satan. But we've got to believe that as believers. We've got to live like that. We have got to be the prayer warriors we need to be that God can use us to win whoever that is God has put before you on your heart of someone to win. You can't do it on your own will. You can't save them anyway. I've said many a times, if I can talk you into something, then Satan can talk you out of it because I'm not that smart. But if the Holy Spirit gets in you and you get saved, then you're sealed. Signed, sealed, delivered. You're His. So greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. The fourth one, demons always yield to Jesus' authority. Jesus said, be still. 
The Greek in that, if you read it, it says really like be muzzled. It's almost like Jesus was telling that, that demon that was within that man, he was talking to him like he was a snarling dog. And he said, be muzzled and get out of him. He talked to him like he was a demon-possessed wild beast and just got rid of him and just told him to get out. Be muzzled and get out. That's how they're treated. There's no fight to it. But yet we, on planet Earth, are in this fight that we think we're trying to win, but we're doing it on the physical level. We're not doing it on the spiritual level. Our fight is at the spiritual level. So Jesus dealt with that man in the synagogue like he would a wild dog. He said, muzzle him and get him out of there. Here's what it says, verses 25 and 26 of Mark 1. Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold your peace. Muzzle him. Come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Be still. Come out of him. He came out. Now the Bible says that he tore him. Let, let, let's get a, a little more of a grip around what does it mean that he tore him. Well, if you read Luke 4's version, it's a little bit longer. It says it did him no harm. That's about verse 35. So, so we know that the, the Satan... Or that demon didn't hurt that man when he come out. So, so what does it actually mean? What does torn actually mean? It's, it means this. Satan never gives up any foothold he has on you or me or anybody else without a fight. Without a fight. The demon shrieks in agony and pain and then the, he comes out. That's a battle. That's a battle. So we have a battle before us, but unless you're living, unless God's living with you, unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you have the power of God in your life, then you really don't understand what I'm talking about at this level. Because it's a part of the world that we're, that we're going about that many people do not see. And once we get to the point where we understand where the where the demon's working or where Satan is working at, then we know where we're to be the retaliant of, and that's on our knees, in a closet somewhere, quiet, praying, fasting, seeking God's face, and doing what God says do. We need to really understand the greater power of Jesus. Because in this world, if you look around, it's not looking good for us. It's not looking good for us. The authority of Jesus, rightly applied, has power over the enemy. Has power over the enemy. Demons must obey. I have my little side note here, and, and it says, not an exorcism. It just really bothers me every time I try to tell someone about the spoken word of Jesus versus some theatrical uh, movie that they've made of of holy water and, and things flying around the room and all kind of stuff. No. No. Jesus obeyed. The word of Jesus, demons obey. So it's not, it's not an exorcism. It's just a spoken word. So last week, again, the sermon was on the reality of the demons. I want today for us to understand the authority of Jesus. The authority of Jesus. 
I want us to leave here with some thoughts about a believer, our victory. The Bible says that today, today's scripture that, there, that these demons came out of this man. Later in the book of Mark, we're going to see where Jesus gave that power to the disciples to cast out demons. And, and he said in, in, in Luke, we see that in chapter 10, that he even sent out 70 at one time and said he gave them powers. They come back reporting. This is in Luke 10, 17. Why even the demons were subject to us through your name. So it's not us. It's not me. It's Jesus through me. Jesus gave the great commission. He said in Matthew 28, 8, he says, All authority is given to me. Right? He says the same thing in Luke again in chapter 10, verse 19. I give you the authority over the power of the enemy. We have the victory. We've just got to put it in its right place and use it. The reason, again, we're not having the victory in the world today is we're fighting on the wrong front. We think, if you ask, say, a person on the street, how are we going to fix this world we live in? Well, they'll say three things, basically. They'll say, one of them say, we need to legislate more law. We need to have more laws. Now, if you, there's a lot of laws on the books we don't do nothing with anymore. I just want to put that out there for you. So I don't know that any more of them is going to help. But what is it? Let, let, let's think about this thing. You, most of you have raised children. Has there been a time... When you give that, that, that child a, 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 a decree from the house, you shall not do whatever it is. And they did it anyway, right? So, so, so just saying a law is not necessarily going to help it. What we're dealing with the outside again. We're, we're not, besides, think about it. We don't even have enough jails to hoard up the people we got now. Just think, if we started making more laws, it'd just be overrun. So that's not it. That's not it. So legislation alone is not going to fix it. Now this is going to this is going to get touchy, but hear me out. Education. Education. Most people and that's where the American push is now is to educate everybody. That's going to make them smarter. The old joke long time ago they would say this. They would say if if you had this man, he was a thief, and you say for instance he stole this watermelon off a train. Well, if you educate him, the next time he does it, he may steal the whole railroad. So all you get is a smarter demon, right? And think about what, what that, that little illustration says. When that demon possesses someone that is unsaved, they get that person. In other words, when Jesus comes into my life, he gets me for the where I am. You know? And he starts working through my life, making me that person I need to be. That's what we call sanctification. The same thing in the demonic realm. Satan gets a hold of somebody. They're not doing what he wants. The longer he's there, the more they do what he wants. But he's only got what he's got to work with. But he's got somebody really smart. He can do a lot of things, right? Just think, it's that simple. Just think about it. So education alone is not the answer. Alone. All you'll get is a more clever or smarter devil. Somebody says where well, it's the environment. It happens all the time they say this. They'll say, if we get people who are living in really terrible conditions, if you change their living conditions, you change the man. How many times have you heard that? 
we change the living conditions. We take this low-income area and we throw in some new buildings and all that, and, and it'll change the man. You've got it upside down. I want to ask you something. When you think about that part, when you think about the environment, where did we get in trouble with at Eden? The Garden of Eden, I want to know, is there any better place on earth ever that to be? No. So we got in trouble on the most basic of great places it's ever been. Sin, it's not a problem of where you're at. Completely. Hear me out now. I am, not, I am for legislation. I think we should have laws and keep them. I think we should educate people, and I think we should supply better housing. Don't get me wrong. But if that's the only thing you're doing, you're just sticking a Band-Aid to it. It's a placebo effect. You know what a placebo is, right? I could be deathly sick of something, but if they give me this sugar pill and I believe it enough, I may feel better for a little while. But ultimately, I'm going to die because it didn't treat my condition, right? That's a placebo so all those are placebos without the life-changing power of Jesus in the life of the individual for whatever reason. You get a slum and they get saved, it sort of magically will clean itself up. It's just a byproduct of it. So what I'm saying is we've got to address the problem correctly and completely. Paul told us this in Ephesians 6, 12. He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People should put that on their refrigerator and remind them. It ain't the flesh and blood. It ain't that person that I'm wrestling against. It's against the principalities and the powers in high places. It's about the spirits that's in that person. That's controlling, that's influencing that person. That's what you're up against. So where's the answer? The answer is always in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark begins his gospel by letting us have no doubt whatsoever that we have the victory in Jesus. So for those of you who are children of God, you are saved and spirit-filled, you are going to know the conflict of the enemy. If you were here last week, you know I said beyond no shadow of a doubt, you will be oppressed of Satan. You're going to be oppressed with the, by Satan. You may even, if you let him in far enough, you may, even get, you may even have an obsession. I'm talking about a demonic obsession. I'm not talking about a good obsession. I'm talking about something that's... I, I say this a lot. It used to be about probably six or seven years ago, I would get a lot of emails from like the Baptist state men and the director of mission. Those type folks would send me stuff. But it had a, a general theme that really disturbed me. They've changed it for some reason. They don't send that stuff like But it was about men and pornography. Said so we have this big problem of our men in high places in churches and in leadership positions that have an obsession of pornography. And I, every time I'd see it, I'd go, wow. Wasn't, but, it, but it came relentlessly for about a year. Must have got it cleaned up. I don't know. Hadn't seen much about it lately. But what I'm saying is, even a child of God can have an obsession. You think, if, you ever have, if you're one of these people, listen to me good. Satan has no threat on you. There's no temptation, no allurement that he has 
No hold on you that a child of God through Jesus' blood on the cross can't come out the winter. There's no, there's no hold. I did not say you would go through the world without problems. Have I ever said that at this church? No, I have not. I have always said and I always continue to say, if you're not being bothered by Satan, you might want to check that thing you call salvation. Because the Bible is plain. You give Satan grief, you pray, you fast, you, do, you live right all the time, not just at church, you're out and about. People know that you're different. There's something different about this person. They're not the person I used to know way long time ago. Things are going to start happening to you, I promise you. I promise you. But Satan has no authority over you as long as you stay wrapped in God's Word. But for those who are obsessed... For those who do have an obsession by Satan. You know who you are. You, you cry out to God. You say, oh God, I, don't, I know I'm saved, but I don't know why these things keep going through my mind. I don't know why I keep thinking the things I do. Why is that happening? That person. The only thing I tell you to do is you need to get to a quiet spot and you need to get serious with God. You need to pray. You need to seek His face. You need to resist. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. That's for a believer. You need to get alone, get some prayer warriors around if you know of anybody that's a true prayer warrior. Not just a friend, somebody that actually pray for you and cry out to God to, 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 to take over that ground that you have given up to Satan. To take up that obsession that you can't seem to shake and to get it out of you. And to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Y'all, that's part of sanctification. I'm not trying to tell any of y'all that you're perfect. There's only one perfect, well, there's three people perfect. My parents and my wife, okay? <laughs> the rest of us are far off from that. Okay? You know, you know I'm messing, but there's nobody walking on planet Earth that professes to be Christ-like that is perfect. One man, Jesus. That was it. The rest of us fall somewhere down below that. So the Bible says, resist the devil, he will flee from you. But for anybody that is unsaved, you may not be demon-possessed yet, but you could be. But you could be. He's watching, he's waiting. If Satan has the opportunity, he will invade your personality and take you to a place you don't want to go. That's the reason if you need to get saved, you need to get saved today. Okay, you need to get saved today. There's a reason why you need to go ahead and give your heart to Christ as soon as you feel the tug. It's been told about a guy by the name of Martin Luther. Now, this is the um, monk, Martin Luther, the Protestant monk. This is a long time ago, okay? This is, this is not anybody new. But he would say this. It's been recorded this. And let me read it to you. It's pretty neat. It says, somebody asked Martin Luther, who led, he led the uh, Protestant Reformation, Martin, how do you manage to live a vicarious life over Satan? And I want us to think as I read this answer, how is your life victorious over Satan? Martin Luther said, when Satan comes and knocks on my door, Jesus goes and answers the door. He says, Jesus says, or Satan says to him, who lives here? And Jesus says, Martin Luther used to live here, 
But he has moved out, and now I live in here. And it's said that when Satan sees the nail-scarred hands, he leaves immediately. I don't know if that's true or not. Sounds real good. Martin Luther was a good, he was way far better than I'd ever be, so I'm, I'm going to say it's true and go with it. So when the devil came to knock on your door, who answers it? That's the question. When Satan comes knocking on your door, are you sending Jesus to answer it? You know, if you're unsaved right now, Jesus could be knocking on your door and wanting in. The very last book of the Bible, Revelate, the Revelation chapter 3, gives an invitation. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. What a promise. In the last book of the Bible, the Revelation. What a promise. So the question today is, who's going to answer that door when Satan comes knocking? Let's pray. Dear God, as we're here today, Lord, we know that you are God and above you no other. Lord, we can do nothing apart from you. So Lord, I just pray that you will come down and indwell us like you never have, Lord, to give us that renewed strength to further our sanctification as believers so that we can go out and be a witness for you in these last days. Lord, I know you've told us we don't know when you're coming back. But Lord, your word just tells me that it is close. Lord, it's nothing that we should be playing with. We should be ready to go today. Lord, if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that has been troubled, that has been harassed by Satan, Lord, I ask them to begin that trip, Lord, to boldly step, to boldly start praying to you for that to be removed. And Lord, if there's anyone within the sound of my voice that does not know you, Lord, I pray they come to a saving knowledge of grace before it's everlastingly too late. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the honor and the praise and the glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.